All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for listening and tuning in to the 30th episode now. Very exciting. The NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are upon us, with the first two play-in games being done last night. And yes, don't think I'd forget the NHL as well. Quite possibly the most exciting playoffs of the four major sports in the U.S. I mean, the pace that these games have, the multiple close games every night, especially when they go to overtime. So I'll make sure that I mention an update on the NHL playoffs in this episode and hopefully sound competent enough. As I know, I don't follow the NHL as closely as a lot, but I'm certainly a fan come come playoff time, as you should be too. But the NBA play-in games are underway, two two blowouts actually to get us started. Hopefully something a little more exciting tonight between the Warriors and Lakers especially. But then we'll have our first impressions of the new playoff format and we can assess it from there. Also, in this episode, the NFL schedule was released late last week. And wow, what a great looking regular schedule. I mean, big matchups scattered all over the place. I mean, we'll have fans back in the stadiums as well, so then we can see SoFi Stadium and the Raiders' new stadium, those two brand new, really good-looking stadiums. We'll see those full and in prime time, starting week one, actually. So a lot of things, big matchups scattered all over the place, and we'll take a look at some of those games in this episode as well. But let's go ahead, dive in then, and get started with the NBA playoffs and the end of the regular season. So this is how it all shook out. For the seeding, we had in the Eastern Conference, 76ers as the one seed, Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks, and the Miami Heat securing the two through six seeds right there. Then here was your four teams that had to play in that play-in tournament, new this season, Boston Celtics, Washington Wizards, Indiana Pacers, and Charlotte Hornets. That's on the Eastern Conference side. We had those four teams playing last night, Boston Celtics versus the Washington Wizards. Winner of that game would get the 7th seed. That ended up being the Boston Celtics with a 50-piece coming in from Jason Tatum, dropping 50 points on the Wizards, both Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal struggling a little bit, which led to the Celtics moving on then into the 7th seed of the playoffs. They're locked in. They're going to be facing off against the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. So then the Washington Wizards, with that loss, they faced the winner of the game between the Indiana Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets, which was another blowout in this one. The Hornets trounced, I'm sorry, the Pacers trounced the Hornets by 40 points. I mean, the Hornets, everybody was excited about this team. I mean, LaMelo Ball kind of being the one of the, one of the highlights of this regular season, most certainly. Rookie of the Year candidate, probably the front runner as well. Then they've got pieces all, uh, elsewhere with Miles Bridges being a showstopper with some of the dunks that he puts on. A lot of people... We're actually picking the Hornets to uh, advance uh, ahead of the Pacers, but the Indiana Pacers trounced them by 40 points. Charlotte Hornets are now eliminated from the playoffs. The 9-10 seed right there, so the loser of that one's eliminated. The winner of the 9-10 then faces the loser of the 7-8. So now we'll have the Washington Wizards versus the Indiana Pacers. Winner of that game will then get to face the Philadelphia 76ers for the first round of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Western Conference, this is how it shook up then. We have the Utah Jazz secure the number one seed and the best record in basketball. Phoenix Suns at two. Denver Nuggets, LA Clippers, Dallas Mavericks, and the Portland Trailblazers round out your top top six teams 
And then here were your four teams in the Western Conference for the play-in game. The Lakers, believe it or not, as the seventh seed, the Warriors, Grizzlies, and Spurs. So then tonight, we'll actually get the Memphis Grizzlies versus the San Antonio Spurs. And then we'll have the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors. That's the big one that everyone's been circling. I mean, Lakers, they had a t- they, they had the same record as the Mavericks and the Trailblazers, the 5-6 and six seed. Ended up not winning those key uh, matchups against those teams, so the tiebreaker goes to both of them. So now the Lakers, they got a win tonight to then the, have the honor of facing Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and the Suns in the first round of the playoffs. Then And then, of course, the winner of the Grizzlies and San Antonio Spurs series, uh, game would face the loser of this one. Obviously, this is the one that everybody's been waiting for. That A lot of people have thought that this is exactly what the NBA kind of would want for the play-in tournament. Not necessarily a win-or-go-home scenario for the Warriors versus Lakers here because the loser still gets a second chance. But this is about as star-studded as it gets for a play-in game to start the play-in tournament. So the, the big question is, can the Lakers handle scoring leader Steph Curry for one game? Steph Curry led the NBA in scoring this year, 32 points per game, I believe it was. I mean, the Lakers had the number one defense all season in basketball. Now they're healthy. You would, I, th- I think, close to 100%. LeBron might be around 90 to 95%, they're thinking. Anthony Davis has been back for a couple of games. Dennis Schroeder is back off of the off of the COVID-19 list. Even without LeBron and Anthony Davis, who both missed, I think LeBron missed around 25-plus games, Anthony Davis around 35-plus games. Even with those guys missing that amount of time, the Lakers were still the number one defensive team in all of basketball. Now you're adding in a top-five defensive player in Davis. LeBron James is still a top-10 to 15 defensive player in this league. But now they got to handle Steph Curry, who has just been lights out this season. Incredible stretches of 30-plus point games, of 10 or more threes. So this is going to be interesting to see how the Lakers handle Steph Curry for this one game win, and you're in the playoffs at this point. The other thing is, too, if the Lakers win, are they still one of the favorites to make the finals from the Western Conference? It's, It's interesting. In the Eastern Conference, it's pretty set on people choosing between the top three teams to make it to the or to the NBA Finals, between the 76ers, the Nets, and the Milwaukee Bucks. In the Western Conference, it is all over the place. I mean, the number one Jazz aren't necessarily the favorites. The number two Suns aren't really the favorites either. The Nuggets, who have most likely the MVP this season in Nikola Jokic, are by no means the favorites or even a favorite to win their own series. And then you got the Clippers, who are the four seed, who have kind of disappointed in this regular season with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in their second seasons, is there? there's not really a clear favorite. So then you've got the defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers, a seven seed, uh, most likely a seven seed if they win tonight against the Warriors. Could they be seen as the favorites to come out of the Western Conference? Whereas in the Eastern Conference, it's a little more straightforward. Here's your first round matchups. You got the 76ers versus the eight seed, either the Pacers or the Wizards. Then you got the number two seed Nets versus the seven seed Celtics who just won. You got the three seed Bucks versus the six seed Heat. That's going to be a really fun first round matchup. You got the four seed New York Knicks versus the five seed Atlanta Hawks. Two really overachieving teams this year. Good for both of them. One of them is going to move on to the second round. Then in the Western Conference, here's your potential matchups. You got Jazz 
versus the eight seed, which let's just assume it'll end up being the Warriors. Number two seed Suns versus the seven seed Lakers. If let's assume if the Lakers were to win tonight, if if the chips fall as a lot of people expect, if we go by who the betting favorites are, what what we expect the better teams to be. Let's assume Suns versus Lakers then. Number three seed Nuggets versus the Trailblazers. The Nuggets, remember, are going to be without their second best player for this entire playoff run, however long it lasts for them, and Jamal Murray. And then you got the four seed Clippers versus the five seed Mavericks. We saw this matchup last year in the playoff bubble with Luka Doncic able to carry the, the Mavericks to two wins against these Clippers. So, I mean, even if the if, when the Lakers, we assume they would get into the playoffs either as the two seed or the eight, or I'm sorry, as the seven seed or the eight seed facing the, the one or two seed, they could they still are, I believe, the favorites to come out of the Western Conference. That's just the, 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 the reality of, of, of being the defending champions, having the number one defense in basketball, and then returning LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis, who have been resting not not because the just like sitting out for 25 games of course that's not it but they've been injured they've been rehabbing but now they're healthy they've been rested for that end of the season run and it's it makes sense i mean they had a really short off season injuries were going to pop up you thought with the lakers with how short that off season was and here they are now it looks like healthy and ready to go for the playoffs i would not bet against the lakers coming out of the western conference I mean, it's just that's just how it's going to be. Are we going to the first year of the NBA play-in tournament? Could the Lakers be the first team to come out of the play-in tournament and still make the NBA finals from their conference? We'll see. It'll be really interesting. Um, but first, they got to get through Steph Curry and the Warriors tonight in their play-in tournament game, and then we'll see if if LeBron James he only played in two games since the end of the regular season, if he'll be full go. I mean, let's say they win tonight against the Warriors. They'll be facing off against the Suns, which will be Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. They have Coach of the Year in Monty Williams. I mean, this is a good team. Now, it's a young team. It's a team that's unproven in the playoffs for sure. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Added in Chris Paul, who has just been underrated in terms of his impact on this team as well. But I'm not sure how much of a threat they could be to the defending champion Lakers, depending on how ready LeBron is, if he's in a rhythm with those two games enough to get him ready. Will this game against the Warriors be enough? And then he's got a seven-game series against the Suns, but we'll see. Some other first-round matchups that are going to be really intriguing. Here's probably your best first-round matchup that you're going to want to watch. It's going to be the number three seed Milwaukee Bucks versus the number six seed Miami Heat. This is a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference semifinals when the Heat upset the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks. If you remember this one, Milwaukee, they they cruised through Orlando in the first round in five games. Then they got to Miami, and Miami was able to just stifle Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this is where the Bucks have struggled in the playoffs. They did it. They struggled against the Toronto Raptors in 2019 as well with Kawhi Leonard on that team. You remember the Bucks jumped out to a quick 2-0 start in that series, ended up losing four straight then, and the Toronto Raptors went on to be the NBA champions. So this is where the Bucks now, this regular season, they're not the number one seed. They were two years in a row. Now the Bucks this regular season spent a lot more time adjusting and finding ways to still create offense for Giannis and the rest of these guys. They upgraded at a lot of different positions. I mean, Drew Holiday is an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. They got Bobby Portis 
as a, as a sixth man off their bench kind of guy. They got Dante DiVincenzo, who's kind of ascended in his third year now. So they've got these guys all over the place. They got Byron Forbes, a younger three-point shooting sniper over Kyle Korver. So now they've they've made adjustments, and Mike Boonholzer didn't stick with one way all regular season. Mike Boonholzer's been a guy that once he finds something that's been working with his team in the regular season, he's just been sticking with it. And he's been he's been the coach of number one seeds before with the Atlanta Hawks. He's been they've had the number one seed twice now with the Milwaukee Bucks. But what we haven't seen from Mike Boonholzer and his teams when they are the number one seed or number one team in basketball in the regular season is they haven't been able to adjust once it comes to the playoffs. And that's what management and I think the players got to Mike Boonholzer, got to the coaching staff, and the coaching staff came together and they're like, all right, we need to use this regular season now to find a way for when we get, when they when other teams make an adjustment against us and Giannis, when they stifle Giannis for a game, we can still win that game if Giannis gets stifled. But then the even bigger thing is how do we come back next game and adjust to it where Giannis doesn't get stifled, where they don't build a wall in the paint and Giannis becomes useless and they they just make him shoot five threes a game. You don't want Giannis shooting five plus threes a game. Maybe two or three, sure, he can knock down one or two threes a game. You don't want him to be on the outside trying to drive into a wall of four people and turning the ball over. Those are the adjustments that they have to make and they get it right out of the gate here with the Miami Heat with a chance to get revenge on Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra in this Miami Heat team. The Miami Heat did a really good job of stopping Giannis with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, guys like that. Mike Budenholzer and the Bucks didn't adjust. So then the Miami Heat went on to the NBA Finals, eventually losing to the Lakers. So this is one that the Bucks have have circled for sure as a team that they possibly thought they could see in the playoffs. This will be a revenge series for them. They've upgraded at a lot of positions with Drew Holiday, most especially. We'll see now if they can make the adjustments to win this series and then move on. And then it doesn't get any easier from there if, if they move on and say it's the Nets, then it could be the 76ers. The Bucks would have a tough road from there on out. Another one, Clippers versus the Mavericks. I mean, the Clippers, a lot of people have been talking about the Clippers. Did they lose their last two games on purpose? You saw this. They, they, they benched all their starters and even a bunch of their key role guys for the last two games so that they would drop down to the four seed. A lot of people saying this is to avoid the Los Angeles Lakers until if both teams were to make it to the conference finals. I don't know if that's true. It's not a good look, in my opinion, the way that they lost these last two games to the, I know they lost one to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think the other one might have been to the Orlando Magic, which I think are the two worst teams in the NBA. I mean, I would think, I mean, the, the last game was on Sunday. The playoffs, the play-in game started yesterday on Tuesday, today, Wednesday, and then they'll go on Thursday and Friday as well. But the first round of the playoffs doesn't actually start now until Saturday. So you have a whole week off. I would think you would still want to play with, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Keep these guys on the floor together. But I don't know. It, it looks like it, they could have been trying to avoid the Los Angeles Lakers, which the Lakers match up with all of these teams. Great. The Lakers are probably the favorites to come out of the Western Conference right now. But anyways, the Clippers drop down to the four seed where they'll get the Mavericks where we saw Luka Doncic have a lot of success against them in the playoffs in the bubble last year, winning with that game winner 
against them in game, what was it, four? We gave it five, maybe, the force of game six. But either way, he got two wins off of the Clippers. Hopefully, Kristaps Porzingis is healthy enough to help him out a little bit more. He doesn't uh, sit out a couple of those playoff games as well. I don't know. It's not going to be an easy first-round matchup for the Clippers against the Mavericks this year, as it was last year. It wasn't an easy one for them that time either. So that's another first-round matchup that I'm excited for. And then this one too, the Nuggets and the Blazers. This seems like a matchup that we get almost every year. But uh, it'll be the, the Nuggets with likely MVP candidate Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, and the Trailblazers. I see this one going seven games as well between the two teams. If the Nuggets had Jamal Murray, then it would be Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. With the likes of those three guys, I would take the Nuggets then. But without Jamal Murray, this is going to be a seven-game series that goes down to the wire. And like I said, the West to me is just wide open in terms of who could come out. Where the East, you you pick between the 76ers, the Nets, and the Bucks. Those are going to be it's going to be one of those three teams that comes out of the Eastern Conference Finals. Because I mean. The Knicks and the Hawks, they're both young, exciting teams that had great above-expectation years. They're not quite ready to compete with these other three teams. The Celtics are missing Jalen Brown, their second-best player. Kemba Walker has been hot and cold all season. So that's why I don't think the Celtics, especially with a first-round matchup against the Nets, where the Nets can are going to have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden all on the floor together. Now, granted, they've only played eight games, but still, I think they'll be able to get past the Celtics. Where it'll hurt the Nets is in the further rounds. But I'm, but I'm just saying we're we're moving to what I think the the, the teams are that could make it to the NBA Finals. I don't think it'll could be the Celtics. I don't think it could be the Hawks or the Knicks. I don't think it could be the Pacers. Most certainly, they'll be overwhelmed in their first round matchup if it's the 76ers. Or the same thing with the Wizards. They'll be overwhelmed if they make it as the eight seed. Now, the Bucks and Heat, the Heat are, of course, a challenge for any team. The Bucks are going to have their handful in the first round. I think this one could go six or seven games as well. I still have Milwaukee winning that series, but if the Heat were to get past the Bucks, they would be a handful for whoever their second-round matchup is, whether that would be the Nets or the 76ers. But but if you if you go between the 76ers, Nets, and Bucks, it's most likely going to be one of those three teams to come out of the Eastern Conference. Whereas in the Western Conference, it's it's anybody's guess who it could be. I mean, the number one seed Jazz have have the defensive player of the year, most likely, in Rudy Gobert. They have Donovan Mitchell, who can go out and get 40 to 45 points any night. And then on the Suns, on the other hand, you got Devin Booker, who can go out to get 40 to 50 points. Chris Paul, who can lead the team as well as anybody in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton as well. Then I said, I've already mentioned the Nuggets, Clippers, and Mavericks. The Trailblazers. Have Damian Lillard, of course, one of the one of the most clutch players in the NBA, and then you've got the Lakers and the Warriors as most likely, knock on wood, your seven and eight seed in in the Western Conference, and the Lakers are probably the favorite coming out of there. Here's here's what I'll give right now, my my four teams that I think are going to make each conference finals. In the Eastern Conference, I think we're going to have 76ers versus Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. The 76ers have possibly the easiest route to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's what that number one seed affords you and is, is such a luxury because the, the 76ers will either face the Pacers or the Wizards in the first round. That they'll, be, they'll be able to win that series. But then in the second round, they'll either face the Knicks or the Hawks. In both of those teams, like I said, young, unproven, really overachieving 
seasons this year, which is great for them. But I think the 76ers have an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate in Ben Simmons. They still have Tobias Harris as well. And then they have shooting in terms of Danny Green and Seth Curry, guys like that. They've got Matthias Theibel, another Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And he doesn't even play that much. The 76ers have way too much talent. They have the coach and Doc Rivers as well. So I think they'll be easily be able to get past their first and second round matchup, whether it be Pacers or Wizards, or whether it be Knicks and Hawks in the second round. So 76ers have a clear path to the conference finals in the Eastern Conference. And then I said I I would take the Bucs. I think the Bucs are going to have a six or seven game series against the Heat. And then it'll be against the Nets, most likely, in the second round. And the Nets, this is where Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden not playing together only eight games this entire regular season is going to come to hurt them, I think. And that's where the Bucks, with all their adjustments, hopefully learning from these past two postseasons, Giannis and the Bucks can get past the Nets there. And that's why I would have them in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then in the Western Conference, I would have the Lakers versus the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz, I think, are too good to go out to a Warriors team that is missing Klay Thompson. Now, if Klay Thompson was there, this would be a whole different thing. But Steph Curry... I think can definitely win the Warriors two games against the Jazz, maybe even three, but I don't think he'll be able to get four against a defense like the Utah Jazz have. Also, with the with the depth that the Utah Jazz have as well, with their scoring coming off of the bench as well, the Utah Jazz are deep, so I think they'll be able to get past the Warriors there. Then they'd f- face off versus the Clippers and Mavericks. For just some reason, the Clippers have just been falling short year after year now, even with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, so I just don't see it happening there against the Jazz. And then the Lakers should be the favorites against anybody that they match up with, whether it's the Suns in the first round or the Jazz. And then the Nuggets or the Blazers, who if, they, if they'd if they face either one of them in the second round as well. So that's why I would go 76ers versus Bucks in the Eastern Conference, then Lakers versus Jazz in the Western Conference. That's how I see it all shaking up. But first, we've got the play-in games tonight. we got to finish up at least the Western Conference, their first round, Lakers-Warriors, which we're all excited for, and then Grizzlies-Spurs as the other one as well. Also, with the playoffs here, the NBA regular season awards, here's how I had it shaking out, in my opinion, just from from looking at it. The MVP, in my opinion, is Nikola Jokic. Played all 82 games, averaged over 27 points, over 11 rebounds a game also averaged around eight assists per game. I believe he was top five all season in total points, total rebounds, and total assists. That's insane for a center to do this. He'll be the first center to win the MVP award since Shaq back in 2000, I believe. So I think, I mean, Nikola Jokic just put up insane numbers for a center, a historic season for a center nonetheless. So I think he, in in playing 82 games, definitely gives him a huge advantage over Joel Embiid who had the award for a while but then he had what was it an ankle injury or or something like that where he was out for those two three weeks kind of towards the middle end of the season there that really hurt and where Nikola Jokic kind of just elevated the Denver Nuggets once they lost Jamal Murray as well I mean they're a top three seed in the Western Conference I think that's why it's Nikola Jokic one Joel Embiid two And then tied for three, I had Chris Paul and Steph Curry. I mean, Chris Paul coming in for the Suns, a non-playoff team last year, barely making the bubble, 
in Orlando to continue the rest of the season. Not making the playoffs. Chris Paul comes in this year. All of a sudden, they're the number two seed in the Western Conference. That's how he's got to be in the top three. And then Steph Curry, what he's been able to do this season as well. I couldn't decide between the two of them for, for a number three, so I put a tie there. Defensive player of the year, I have Rudy Gobert. Just the impact that he has on the inside. He's also getting better on switching on on smaller defenders as well. I mean, when they when they can blow past him, but he's still his recovery and 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 his rim protection is unmatched. It's unbelievable how how great of a defender this guy is. And then Ben Simmons, I had at number two. Um, he can guard positions one through four, and he can do it really really well. I mean, he's top five I think in steals this year. So those are the top two vote getters I I think for defensive player of the year most improved player of the year this one's easy it's Julius Randle of the New York Knicks I mean leading them to a top four seed in the Eastern Conference being I mean he averages over 20 something points being an all-star this year as well just really elevating his game to a new level Julius Randle is your most improved player of the year by far I think rookie of the year this one is going to be tight between LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves. LaMelo Ball, I mean, led the, he had the Hornets as a top five seed in the Eastern Conference, I think, then he broke his wrist. I mean, still came back and it and was still, this was a runaway award for him until he broke his wrist. And then Anthony Edwards started scoring 20 plus points a game in like 20 straight games. I think it's LaMelo Ball, the way he's able to lead the Hornets to the playoffs this year. They would have been, I think, one of the top six seeds if he didn't get injured this year, possibly, they wouldn't have been in the play-in game, play-in tournament. I mean, he is just the playmaking that he's been able to bring and the excitement that he also brought to the Charlotte Hornets. I think he'll uh, end up winning that Rookie of the Year award. And then Sixth Man of the Year award, first guy off the bench, Jordan Clarkson or Jalen Brunson. Jordan Clarkson of the, of the Utah Jazz averaging 18 points a game off the bench is just incredible. He was uh, one of their main catalysts on offense coming off the bench at one point in the middle at the start of the season even and I mean he carried it throughout the entire regular season so I think he'll win sixth man of the year award all right so that kind of wraps up the NBA regular season we're into the playoffs now and we've still got a few more we'll have two play-in games tonight and then two more once we find out who the winner of one game is and the loser of the other one is and we'll figure out who our eight seeds are we'll have our seven seeds by tonight, we already know the Celtics are one, and then we're waiting for the other one this evening as well. But that kind of wraps up the NBA regular season as well. All right. I mentioned the NHL playoffs at the beginning of this episode. Like I said, maybe one of the best, maybe the best of the four major U.S. sports playoffs. I mean, just the intensity, how insane and wild they can get. I mean, already we've had four overtime games plus two more one-goal games this postseason for the NHL playoffs. Overtime hockey is also, in my opinion, probably the best, just how how quick it goes, and it's it's so much fun to watch. Here's where we are in standings right now. We've got the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the New York Islanders. That series is tied 1-1. One one. We've got the Washington Capitals versus the Boston Bruins. That series is also tied 1-1. One one. We've got the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Nashville Predators. The Canes lead that one series one to zero Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Florida Panthers that one the Lightning lead that one two zero Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Montreal Canadiens excuse me that series hasn't started yet their first game is tonight we've got the Edmonton Oilers versus the Winnipeg Jets that game that series 
also starts today with their first game. Colorado Avalanche versus the St. Louis Blues. The Avs lead that one 1-0. And then we've got the Las Vegas Knights versus the Minnesota Wild. That series is tied up at one apiece. So let's start with, I think we got four games on tonight, which is it's just so much fun. We get so many games on every evening. But we've got the Washington Capitals versus the Boston Bruins tonight. That series, like I said, is tied 1-1. to This series between these two rivals is incredibly tight. Head-to-head every time they match up in the playoffs. I mean, look at this. Their last 10 playoff games, the differential in the final score has been one goal. Actually, that's been done in 11 straight games dating back to the 2012 Eastern Conference quarterfinals. That's how close these games is. It's the only head-to-head matchup in Stanley Cup playoff history of 10-plus consecutive one-goal games. These two in the playoffs, it's just insane every time. That's one thing to look forward to tonight between these two teams. Most likely, I think both of their games so far have actually gone to overtime already. I mean, so that that just shows you 10-plus consecutive one-goal games. Expect another one come tonight. You got the Nashville Predators and the Hurricanes playing this evening. I believe... Carolina has had 12th, has had a full stadium now each time, feeling like normal hockey again going on, which is very exciting to watch. What else we got? We got the Jets and the Edmonton Oilers, possibly the two highest scoring uh, players in hockey right now, and Connor McDavid and Connor, oh boy, Hellebuck, Hellebuck, boy, I'm just going to butcher a lot of these names when I start talking about them, but two of the highest scorers in, in hockey right now going at it between the Winnipeg Jets in the Edmonton Oilers, and then we also get Game 2 between the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, boy, the Avalanche kind of dismantled the Blues in in Game 1, so we'll see if St. Louis can keep up with them in Game 2, but we'll see. I mean, look at some of the other games that we've had. We've got, like I said, the Penguins and the Islanders. That series is tied up at one apiece. We've got the Tampa Bay Lightning up 2-0 on the Florida Panthers, and then we got the Wild. In the Vegas Golden Knights, that series is tied up at one apiece as well. And I mean, this is so just great series after great series in in terms of of the hockey all over the place. I am, of course, a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins because I just like Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby, I've seen, I've been watching him skate since he came in, and of course, there was a bunch of hype surrounding Sidney Crosby when he came into the league, and and of course, the comparisons to, to Wayne Gretzky. I'm a huge fan of of Sidney Crosby. Actually, the Penguins just won their first game in their last six games without Sidney Crosby scoring a point. And, of course, in hockey, a point between a goal and assist, and then there's the hockey assist, which it could be like two passes away. But either way, the Penguins need Sidney Crosby to score if they want to win in the playoffs, usually. Apparently last night they didn't need it. It was the first time in their last six games, in their last six losing games, that they've won without Sidney Crosby scoring a point. So there's another motivator for the Pittsburgh Penguins as well but that's kind of my update on the NHL playoffs as they're underway like I said oh my goodness just four overtime games already two more one goal games I think we've had a total of of around 10 games played and over half of them are are a one goal differential so just very exciting to watch make sure you tune in and watch it when you can just how intense and and wild a lot of these games can get coming down to the wire all right Moving on now to the NFL schedule release was released last week. I mean, we have a bunch of headlining games in week one as well. And then we've got a huge slate 
throughout the season. We've got Thanksgiving games. We actually even have two Christmas games as well. We're not going to have the, the full spread like we did last season where we had games on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'll have it back to normal where it's just Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Uh, oh, actually, and Saturday. I already said Sunday. But we'll get four of the seven days instead of all seven. But look at look at week one. Look at the best matchups of week one here. We've got Dallas at Tampa Bay. That's your Thursday night opener. Tampa Bay, like I said, they're returning all 22 starters. They've got some more depth in the draft as well. Returning other guys like Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Antonio Brown, guys that aren't considered starters but still major contributors to the team. That's your Thursday night opener. Dak Prescott expected to be back, second highest paid quarterback in the league right now. That should be a fun one to start off the 2021 NFL season. Here's some other first uh, week one matchups. You got Cleveland at Kansas City. That's the AFC Divisional Round rematch. Baker versus Mahomes. You'll get to see Mahomes behind that new starting offensive line. Cleveland, I've mentioned this a lot of times before. On paper, <laughs> the number they just have a stacked roster across the board. Not a lot of holes in this roster. What are they going to do with Odell Beckham Jr. as well? Is he going to be back? and ready to go for week one. That's kind of a storyline that I think has been kind of underreported, not a lot of people talking about. A lot of people thought maybe he would be dealt by the time this season started. So Cleveland versus Kansas City, that's going to be a really good one. Green Bay at New Orleans in week one as well. Top two seeds from the NFC last year face-off. Much different situation this time. No Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers, we'll get to see him most likely under center for Green Bay ending all the speculation that we've been hearing about. We'll see if he'll be under center come week one in New Orleans. Chicago at the Los Angeles Rams, SoFi Stadium on Sunday night. This will be very exciting. I mean, we'll get to see fans in the stands at that brand new stadium. Will it be Justin Fields starting week one for the Chicago Bears? They moved up, I believe, around nine spots to go get this guy. Or will it be Andy Dalton for the first couple of weeks? We'll see. Also, Matt Stafford with his new team in the Los Angeles Rams, so that'll be a really fun one against, of course, a former opponent, former familiar opponent in the Chicago Bears from the NFC North. We got the New York Jets at the Carolina Panthers. You probably didn't think I would mention this one, but this is a Sam Darnold revenge game. We get to see Zach Wilson in his first appearance as well. That'll be a fun one, how Sam Darnold does with all these new weapons of Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall as well, who they drafted. So that should be uh, just a fun little storyline to make sure that we all pay attention to. And then the Monday night football opener in Vegas, Baltimore at Las Vegas. This should be awesome. I mean, we got the Black Hole Stadium. I think it's Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Monday night football opener with fans in the stands. I mean, I mean, in one of the end zones, there's going to be a club. It's going to be a club with with fans in there, and there's going to—I mean, someone's going to get hit by a football off of one of the extra point kicks. Very exciting week one matchups right there. I mean, that's just—I just named listed six games that have a ton of uh, excitement and hype to them, and there's probably a few more that—I mean, not as hype as like Dallas and Tampa Bay or Cleveland and Kansas City, but that's week one for you right there should be really exciting especially since i love this that they did for the nfl right here they put the rams in prime time sunday night for week one and they also put vegas in prime time for week one they tried to do this last year 
I mean, of course, they didn't know that this was all going to happen with the pandemic and COVID, but they wanted, of course, to see the Vegas in prime time with that stadium. And of course, they want to see SoFi in prime time with that new stadium as well. Now we get to see it with fans. Take a look at some of these other notable matchups for this season. We've got Kansas City at Baltimore week two on Sunday Night Football. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes week two under the lights. Always great. We've had that for now for a couple of years. Always a fun one to watch in the regular season, and they're giving it to us early. I mean, Kansas City, just back-to-back AFC North opponents, tough ones. Both made the playoffs last year, and both a lot of people expect to make the playoffs this year as well. Here's a fun one. Jacksonville at at Cincinnati. You didn't think this would be on there as well, but this is the last two number one overall picks. We'll get to see Trevor Lawrence in a game against Joe Burrow, a rematch of the 2020 NCAA National Championship game. But now, I'm, of course, well, I mean, we got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Last two number one overall picks. That should be a fun one in week four. Here's, here's possibly the biggest game of the season in week four as well. Tampa Bay at New England. Sunday night football. Tom Brady's return to Foxborough. I mean, oh my goodness. All the hype surrounding this one. Tom Brady has, has said it's like uh, bringing your college friends home to meet your high school friends. I mean, that's that's a pretty good uh, comparison of, of what this kind of is. But this has just got all the storylines. you got the greatest quarterback of all time, greatest winning quarterback in Tom Brady, coming back to where he won six Super Bowls, bringing his team that just won the latest Super Bowl with him. That might be the biggest game of the season. We get it week four under the lights in Foxborough. Week five, then, we've got a great matchup. Buffalo at Kansas City a rematch of the AFC Championship game. This one's also on Sunday night. They put all these big games in prime time as well on Sunday night football or on Monday night football as well. They've they've put them, or of course, in the prime time slot late in the afternoon, which is what you love to see. You want all the exposure on these big games. Green Bay at Kansas City. Here might be the, the second biggest matchup of the season. You got Rodgers versus Mahomes. This is in week nine. That should be a really fun one. We didn't get to see this one, was it two years ago, when it was Rodgers versus Mahomes. I believe Mahomes was injured out for that game, and it was Chad Henney. But this game now, hopefully, knock on wood, we'll get to see Rodgers versus Mahomes in Week 9 in Kansas City. We've got Dallas at Kansas City in Week 11. Two of the highest-paid quarterbacks, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, square off in that one. you got the Los Angeles Rams at Green Bay in Week 12, Sean McVay. Matt LaFleur, then you've got Stafford with his new team coming back to Green Bay, face another NFC North opponent. Buffalo at Tampa Bay in Week 14. Super Bowl contenders late in the season right there. That should be a great one. Green Bay at Baltimore. That one's a Week 15 Super Bowl contenders matchup as well. Then you got Jacksonville at the New York Jets in Week 16, the number one overall pick versus the number two overall pick. Great time to put that one in there. A lot of people usually wouldn't care about a game like this. Or a couple of these games in Week 16, that might not be as good when we start to get to more of the division opponents and if the divisions are, are not as even as we thought. But this is a great one for the NFL as well where you get maximum exposure for their number one and your number two overall pick. Here's your Thanksgiving games then. You've got Chicago at Detroit, Las Vegas at Dallas, and then Buffalo at New Orleans. Those are your three Thanksgiving games. Then you got two Christmas games as well. You got Cleveland at Green Bay. That'll be a really good one. 
I think the Christmas games are, what, week 15 or 16 or something like that. So late in the season, two teams that a lot of people expect to be competing for the playoffs and one of those higher seeds if Aaron Rodgers is with the Green Bay Packers at that time. Either way, Cleveland at Green Bay for that one. Indianapolis at Arizona for your other Christmas game. That's going to be on a Saturday, so those are your two Saturday games this year. And then, of course, you've got the division rivalry games that we're going to get two of them this entire season. And, and I'm not talking about long-term rivalry games. I'm talking about like the rivalry in, in the division where we expect both teams to be competing for the division crown. So like Cleveland and Baltimore, Kansas City and the Chargers. Not necessarily saying the Chargers can upset Kansas City, but Justin Herbert is a guy that a lot of people are going to want to watch this year. You got Dallas and Philadelphia twice a year, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, Green Bay and Chicago. You've got those two, you've got those games, each of them twice a year. So there's just such a great slate of football games and and just they spread them out nicely too. I mean, some of these like Green Bay at at, at Kansas City putting it in week 9, putting Green Bay at Baltimore at week 15, putting Tampa Bay at New England in week four, just spreading these all out really nicely. Of course, the NFL is king, keeping themselves in the in the spotlight for the entire regular season. They even keep themselves in the spotlight in the offseason as well. But that's a look at some of your notable matchups for this upcoming NFL season, and it should be another great one. I'm very excited. Um, I mean, the Packers schedule, for example, includes five primetime games and only one noon game. If The Packers are usually playing in the noon games, I mean, they have three primetime games at home. Primetime games meaning Sunday night football or Monday night football. Or the game of the week usually on on Fox Sports. So they have five primetime games, three of those primetime games at home, two primetime games. Their two primetime games on the road are at night. I believe one of them is, is at San Francisco on Sunday night football. They have a home one Monday night football in like week two against the Detroit Lions. So, I mean, incredible ex- exposure for the for the Green Bay Packers, which makes you think the NFL either thinks that Aaron Rodgers is most likely going to be under center for them come the, the start of the regular season, or maybe they just want, if Rodgers isn't, that the NFL is like, let's see what the Packers are like without him, and if Jordan Love is, is the next thing or not. But speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be on ESPN with Kenny Mayne come Monday night, this upcoming Monday. Kenny Mayne last show with ESPN one of the staples at ESPN for a long time he's being uh his contract isn't being renewed that they couldn't come to an agreement anyways this isn't about Kenny Mayne <laughs> but for his last show Aaron Rodgers is actually going to come on and be a guest so I think we'll uh we'll get some kind of update with Rodgers early next week and we'll see what he has to say about this situation or we'll see if he kind of like dodges it and uh, effectively gives us nothing in terms of the situation that's been going on between him and the Green Bay Packers. But Monday night, I think that's going to be a big one in terms of what Aaron Rodgers has to say, what Kenny Mayne asks, how much he pushes Aaron Rodgers to give him. But we'll see come there because that's that's really the next step in what we're expecting between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, for goodness sakes, the, the NFL media, all media covering the NFL, ESPN, NFL, CBS, I mean, we've asked every other former Packer about it. I mean, Mike Sherman, Ron Wolf got a little bit of a say in what's going on here. So, I mean, it's time for the next person to be Aaron Rodgers. A lot of what everybody else has said has just kind of been their opinion or if they've talked to Rodgers, what they're kind of getting for a feeling. But the next step is what Aaron Rodgers says about this entire situation. And I think we'll get that come next this upcoming Monday evening. 
All right. That is your upcoming NFL schedule for the 2021 season. Now, here I am at my final thought for this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Baseball's unwritten rules. I think I've mentioned this maybe once before. It might have been about Fernando Tatis Jr. and some of his bat flips or he hit a grand slam. But now we have another one of these coming up. This time with a recent incident involving Chicago White Sox, Yerman Mercedes. He hit a home run off of a position player when their team was up 10 plus runs. I think it was like maybe 16 to 4 was the score. So he had a 3-0 count. The next pitch he was probably going to get walked. They have the the opposing team, I believe it's the Minnesota Twins. They have a position player throwing. They don't want to waste any of their bullpen pitchers on a game that they're most likely not going to be able to come back from, I mean, being down 12. So they're using a guy just to, to throw pitches and, and get this game over with. So he has a 3-0 count. The The position player throws like a 42-mile-per-hour ball, and Yerman Mercedes just tees off on it and hits a home run. Now the next game, he gets thrown at by the Minnesota Twins. He gets thrown at behind him. I think it hits him either in the back of the legs or even maybe in the ass possibly. But his own manager, Tony La Russa, says he shouldn't have hit that home run the other day and says he'll be punished by the team. Then he also went out and said he had no problem with the opposing team throwing low and throwing at his own player. My first reaction is, what kind of manager is that? How does he not have his own players back, whereas he's okay with the opposing team throwing at him? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's low. It doesn't matter if it hits him in the best spot possible. He could still get injured from that. I mean, how does a how does a manager not have a player's back like this on something as stupid as these unwritten rules of baseball? I put quotations around unwritten rules because they're the most ridiculous thing. I mean, I thought we were starting to move away from these things being something like this, but I mean, Tony La Russa is old. He's one of them. He used to be a manager for, for the Cardinals, and I believe he used to be, actually, he used to be a manager for the White Sox back in the day as well. But I mean, just keeping something like this around, why, I mean, let's say Yerman Mercedes doesn't get walked that at-bat. Maybe he does end up getting an out instead of a home run. Something like this is is held against him when it comes to future contract talks. Now let's also take this into consideration with baseball. Baseball does not have a time limit. The opposing team can easily, not easily, the opposing team can come back from any sort of deficit where in football and in basketball and even in hockey or soccer, there is a time limit on this thing. You, you score this and then, and then once the time runs out, that's the game. Where in baseball, it's about getting a certain out. It's about, of course, like we know this. But baseball does not have a time limit on it. It's not like once you reach five hours in a game, if the game goes that long, the game is over. So even though they are up 16-4, to four, the Minnesota Twins had the chance to come back from that deficit. Yerman Mercedes does not have to just throw up his hands and say, you know what, we're up 12 runs, we'll call it an evening and, and go from there. It's just to me, that, that, that being one of the unwritten rules in baseball, baseball has just uh, an interesting unwritten rules book that nobody has written but this being one of them i mean the, the other one used to be the bat flips thank goodness we've gotten away from that because now everybody likes it when these guys throw their bats 10 feet up in the air or anything like that but something like this just doesn't make sense and the thing that really aggravated me about it was the player's manager is supposed to have his back the team is supposed to rally around this guy and i'm sure his players did 
But when your manager come out comes out in the media and says something like this, one, that he shouldn't have done it, two, that he's going to be punished by us, and then three, that he has absolutely no problem with the opposing team throwing at him, potentially injuring him, that's where it kind of got on my nerves, as in this manager, Tony La Russa, should have had his back and said, you know what, maybe I don't agree that he hit the home run, but I don't want anyone throwing at my my players. These are my guys. I have to protect them. I'm on their side. I've got their back. And when he didn't do something, when he came out and did the exact opposite of that, that seems really frustrating to me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to be the leader of this team, and you just kind of turned your back on one of your own players by coming out and saying something like that. So, I mean, these unwritten rules of baseball, we were close. We were, we were starting to get away from them, but they, they've starting to come back now on something like this. So we'll see what, what, what else comes from this between Yerman Mercedes, if he actually does get punished by his uh, own ball club still. Nothing has come out about that yet, but we'll see what, what, what this leads to for the Chicago White Sox. Actually, right now, the, the number one team in baseball with Tony La Russa at the helm. But he, he kind of turned his back on one of his players, and that really uh, got on my nerves in, in, in the wrong way when, when you're supposed to be the leader of that ball club. But all right, final, final thought then on this episode of the final, final podcast. Kendrick Perkins of, of ESPN has twice now come out and say that winning an NBA championship is harder than winning a Super Bowl. Then Calais Campbell of the of the Baltimore Ravens responded to that saying a Super Bowl is harder to win than than the NBA because you don't get another day. You, it's it's a one game and done kind of thing in 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 the NFL playoffs. Whereas in an NBA series, it's set up for the better team to win. Where he he kind of compared it to the better team can go down 0-2 in an NBA series and still come back and win that series. Where in the NFL. The better team doesn't always move on. The better team doesn't always win. If the better team is off a little bit that day, they don't get tomorrow to come back and even the series, is what Calais Campbell was was trying to say. Now, granted, the NBA, you do have to win 16 games to win the NBA championship, whereas in football, it's a minimum. You have to win three, four in, in a lot of cases. For a lot of these teams, you have to win four playoff games to win the Super Bowl. So obviously a big discrepancy there. But in my opinion, I'm on Calais Campbell's side here, as in this isn't comparable to the NCAA tournament in terms of the randomness of who becomes the the champion. The Super Bowl, you of course know who your next opponent is a week in advance. The better team usually you would think would come out on top, but it is a one and done kind of scenario where you have one week to prepare. You play that one game, and then the winner moves on. Whereas in the NBA or the NBA series, you know your opponent. You get a couple of days. Then you get seven games to beat that opponent. You have to win four of those seven games. So like, like Calais Campbell was saying, you can go down 0-2, and the better team can still come back and win four of those last five games. I'm sorry. Yeah, four of those last five games that they have to play. You don't get that second chance when it comes to a Super Bowl. I mean, the, the also with a Super Bowl, I think in the NFL, the, the talent is so spread out. The league is so... The parity in the NFL, to me, is just so much more even. I mean, the, the Chiefs, a lot of people thought were easy repeat 
Super Bowl champions last year. And then, of course, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers has been on this on the Packers team, has been possibly the best quarterback in football, the most talented quarterback in football for 10-plus years. He's only been to one Super Bowl. I mean, the parity across the NFL is so even that any team, and they, they say it every every year, it's the, the most common saying, any given Sunday. I mean, where in the NBA, the talent is kind of joined up onto specific teams like the Brooklyn Nets with James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. You've got these superstars teaming up where you don't see like Aaron Rodgers with Calvin Johnson. You don't see defenses that have Jalen, I mean, well, actually they do have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, but you don't see, I mean, where, where two players out of 11 can't necessarily take over a game, whereas in the NBA, LeBron James and Anthony Davis can take over an entire series, and they have taken over an entire series, where Aaron Rodgers can't, or Tom Brady even can't, win the Super Bowl by himself. And that's where, and that's that, that goes back to the parity in the NFL, which is why I agree with Clayus Campbell. I think a Super Bowl is harder to win than an NBA championship, just by the slightest bit. This is not taking away from an NBA championship, winning a championship of any kind. Football, basketball, hockey, baseball, WNBA, all of these other sports, it's take, you can't take anything away from winning a championship. But Kendrick Perkins brought it up. Clayus Campbell was the first one to respond to it, saying that a Super Bowl is harder. I, I agree with Clayus Campbell in this sense that it is harder to win a Super Bowl, as in I like what he said about it. It's, it's not you don't get to come back the next day and, and try and even the series. It's one and done kind of in the NFL, where it's set up where if the better team is on their game, they should win. But if they're not, the the inferior team could come out on top. And we've seen, I, you know what I should do? I should look up the stats of how often one of the wild card teams or the lower seed teams in, in the NFL playoffs has won the Super Bowl compared to the NBA playoffs. I mean, we make a big deal every year. They bring up the the Warriors as the eight seed beating the number one Mavericks seed in the playoffs. Of how rare that usually is, and that doesn't happen that often. I mean, the I mean, how many six seeds have we had win the Super Bowl? I mean, I remember the Packers were a six seed when they won the Super Bowl back in two thousand ten. It's just more common for. I mean, it just doesn't. If the lower seeds are winning as much as the higher seeds, that just shows you how hard it is for even the best teams to win the Super Bowl. And when you've got the top seeds in the NBA continuously winning the championship year after year, that just lets you know that it's it's a little bit easier, in my opinion. So that's something that I might have to look up on my own time. But that is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Next episode, we'll dive in more. We'll be into the first round of the NBA playoffs. I'll also start discussing looking at the NFL schedule and which teams I think come out on top of each division, whether it be, I don't know which division I'll start with. Maybe it'll be the AFC East, NFC East, but I think I'll kind of go that route where I pick one division from each conference. But that's what you'll expect in next episode. Also, uh, next episode, I'm going to have to talk about baseball and Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels because what he's doing is absolutely incredible and phenomenal. phenomenal. It is so much fun to watch, so we'll definitely mention that in next week's episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe, everybody out there. And this is the Final Final.